Welcome back, Jimmy B and TC with you on the Big Talker 1700. We'll take you up until 3 o'clock here this afternoon. It's Tuesday, time to talk with Wolfgang. It's presented by the Spot West Glen. Less than two weeks to go till Mother's Day. Stop by the Spot West Glen. Great deals as always. Gift certificates. Get the lady what she wants, and that's something with the spa at West Glen. Wolfgang. How about Father's Day, too, huh? How about Father's Day? Come on, now. You forget yeah. about us men all the time. Come on. Yeah, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Think of, <laughs> yeah. think of, think about I'm never the wife. fine, Trent. Think about the wife. Think about the lady in your life. Maybe it's mom, whatever it is. Get herself the nice at the spa at West Glen. Well, Wolfgang, uh, over the weekend, we talked on Friday. We uh, just anticipated where we expected some of the Hawkeyes to go in the NFL draft. But a big surprise, C.J. Beathard, the first guy off the board out of the Hawkeyes. Uh, a shocker, a shocker. I, I wondered if he was even going to be drafted. And there he goes late in the third round. The sixth quarterback taken. The sixth quarterback taken. I could not believe it. I'll be honest with you. You know, I told you many times he's my boyfriend. Mm -hmm. I read an article um, where uh, it, they were basically comparing him to Kirk Cousins, which is kind of interesting. I don't know. What, what do you think of that? What do you think of that comparison? Do you think CJB can be that? Because it, there's all sorts of opinions on this. I think that was too soon, to be honest with you, even as a hardcore Hawkeye fan. Um even knowing what we saw out of him last year, uh, not being able to you know get wide receivers open and having to go back there and just wait for the wide receivers to somehow get open and then getting thrashed. And I don't know if you heard John Miller's podcast. Did you hear about how often he was pressured these last two years compared to other quarterbacks? Yeah, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. It's it's unbelievable, and that kind of shows what. Absolutely, we saw last year, and we brought it up. I mean, we knew that. But what I don't understand is, you know, and, and I can't remember who I heard saying this. I'd give them credit if I heard it, but they were talking about the offensive line, and I will get in the offensive line uh, award, you know, the uh, Joe Moore award, and they were saying it was a Kirk Ferentz um, lifetime achievement award, and I, I get why they say that. I totally get why they say that. But we brought up a number of times pro football focus, which we – agree that i mean they know their bleep mm -hmm. and they had iowa not maybe not at the end of the season but it was close to the end of the season as the number one offensive line in the nation i don't understand that again i don't understand that trent i i, I don't either it's uh it's baffling it's not what we saw uh, what it is well who's trent who's the pro football focused guy that is saying this and giving them the best offensive line award, and then also somebody else from their side is saying, you know, how much they were pressured and how much CJB was pressured. It's, I mean, it's one or the other. I don't understand. Maybe they're a great run blocking team. Fine, but yes. if they can't pass block, and the the numbers showed it from what John Miller was telling, it was just terrible in terms of being pressured as a quarterback and what CJB was supposed to do. Now, how do they? How do they do that? How do they dial that down? Yeah. Do they actually look so close into that that right. they know CJB had nothing? Well, to answer your, your question there, Wolfgang, you know, how they kind of derived at that. Remember, Pro Football Focus, what was it, maybe a month, month and a half in, they came out with that, that Iowa had the top-ranked offensive line. But then remember right afterwards, they went back and then they completely changed their system of grading offensive lines. 
and afterwards they weren't in the top ten anymore. So so they must have looked at it kind of the same way we did and, and, and said, uh, we're watching this. It might be uh, it might be highly the way that we're doing things. We need to reevaluate how we're doing things because this is not the best offensive line in the country. And both of us, and I, I, I actually want a uh, subscription to, to Pro Football Focus. I, I think they know their belief, mm-hmm. but I don't understand how people can say, you know, give you the Joe Moore Award and say it's, you know, best offensive line. It's a lifetime achievement award for Ferentz. Yeah. I mean, it, but again, it, they had it. That was like 80% through, through the season. So how are they going to do that? CJB, now when you're looking at CJB, you take that into effect, obviously, and that's what the Chargers did. What are they looking at the offensive line and saying, you know what? There's nobody freaking open. They held their blocks as long as they could. Could that be a possibility? Yeah. Or, or, I mean, the running game off, we have no problem with the running game. No. Okay. The running game, we had two 1,000 yard rushers, uh, probably two guys that possibly will make the NFL, Mm -hmm. um, and a number of offensive linemen that will. Right. I, d- I don't know how they do it. I would love to talk to them, and I know you said you had a guy on from there, and I'm sure he got a lot of flack from Iowa fans tweeting at him, going, what are you talking about? I mean, we're okay, but then like what I said about John Miller and bringing up this stuff of how many times CJB was pressured. Mm-hmm. So we got good run blocking, but the pass blocking was pathetic, or was it? Were they holding their blocks long enough, but you just there was nothing downfield? I mean, how long can you hold your blocks? Could that be an aspect of it or no, Trent? Well, I, to be honest, I don't know enough about offensive lines to to break it down. What I saw, I saw C.J. Beathard was much more skittish in the pocket. He did not have pocket awareness that you would want out of a quarterback. He saw ghosts. Uh, there were times where he would just collapse in the pocket without much pressure being around him. I saw a guy that didn't trust his receivers. I saw a guy that didn't trust his offensive line, and the, those coupled together made his pocket awareness very poor last year. I don't think there's any other way to spin it. There's excuses, there's reasons for it, but he did not have good pocket presence last year, and that's why I'm shocked by the pick. I don't know if it's something that you can get back. I don't believe that it is, but the 49ers see something. Kyle Shanahan said this is the one quarterback in this draft that he liked. He went out there. You know, People are, are comparing him to Kirk Cousins. Look, Kirk Cousins' numbers were a lot better than C.J. Yeah. Beathard's, a lot yeah. better. Higher completion percentage, higher yards per attempt, a lot better than what we saw out of C.J. Beathard. Now, he had better guys to throw to, there's no doubt about that, and maybe a better offensive line, at least in pass blocking, but what we know, the numbers were not close to Kirk Cousins. We'll see. I'm not sold. If I was a 49ers but, uh, I fan, mean, I would be shaking my head at that one. And I am, too. I think that was too early. But are they, are they excuses or explanations? I think they're explanations of what was happening. Why wouldn't you, you know, get a little bit of happy feet and be seen go yeah, yeah. What, with what was happening and what and the analytics we just brought up and how much pressure he was getting. I mean, no human being would be, you know, other than that. Like the guy at Penn State, uh, Hackenberg. Mm-hmm. For, you remember, he was going to be the number one draft pick. Do you remember that? Yes. What was that? It's, anyway, what year that was. And um, he was just getting sacked and sacked and mm-hmm. sacked. And I don't know if he's good or not. I have no idea. He's with the Jets now, is that right? Right. And and they're still looking, you know, to see if he's got it. He's got the arm strength. He's got that crazy arm strength that the GMs and the football people freaking fall in love with, and it doesn't matter. You need good arm strength, okay, mm-hmm. like Tom Brady, like uh, Peyton Manning, like Drew Brees. None of those guys have exceptional, crazy, uh, your Bears quarterback um, arm strength or Elway arm strength. 
They just they have good arm strength and they have good accuracy, and that that's what made them good. You know, good quarterbacks. We'll see if CJB can do it. I'm rooting for him. I can't wait to see if he can do it. Um, I think he's a great leader. He's got great mobility, and I don't think we saw out of CJB what he could potentially have been because he didn't have the wide receivers at all, and he was hurt quite quite frankly a lot of the time. So I don't. Maybe I I think his ceiling is higher than we've seen. We will see on that one. We we absolutely will see. We go from the first Hawkeye drafted to the last Hawkeye drafted. And this is a shocker to me. Desmond King and the knocks against him, it starts with the speed. We get that, Wolfgang. But I just look at a guy that is a football player. You put him in a system, maybe he's not going to turn out to be a pro bowler. But fifth round, 151 overall for Des King. The Chargers, with their new stomping grounds in Los Angeles, they knocked it out of the park. Yeah, they got an A-plus grade. Did you see that with that pick? A-plus grade. No way did we see this coming. Fifth round. You and I talked about earlier in the year where we saw some mock draft that had Des King 8. You remember us bringing that up? I, w- I would so love to find that podcast where it was. And then, you know, we saw first round. You and I know he's not that good. He's not a first rounder, at least I don't believe. Um, I think we said, did we say early third? I think that's where we were, yeah, somewhere in the third round. And, you know, what I said on Friday is I thought there was going to be a team that would look at it and say, all right, we're, we're close as a team. We're a team that is a playoff team, maybe we're a step away, or we're, you know, kind of floating around that 500 and we need a couple of extra players to get us over the hump and get us into the playoffs. I figured there would be a team out there that would look at Desmond King and say, we know we're going to get a guy that we can plug in and that can do some things for it. Maybe it's at safety. Maybe it's a nickel corner. Maybe it's just a guy that plays a lot of zone coverage and isn't a man-to-man. But you're going to find a guy that's a football player that can help you in the return game, and somebody in the third round was going to take a shot. As it moved past on Friday night, that third round, and got into Saturday, the fourth round comes and goes. I, I was baffled. And, and Desmond oh, King said afterwards he thought his phone was broke. <laughs> I love it. Actually, I don't love it. I hate it. I hate it for him. The man came back. I love Hawkeyes that come back and want to further the program and get their degree. And mom says, nope, you're getting your degree. And it looks like, you know, I don't know if he would have been a first-round draft pick last year. I keep reading that, and I think people are just throwing that out there. I don't know that. Maybe a second round. I don't know. Probably. But 21st drafted cornerback? the 21st drafted cornerback. There are 20 cornerbacks in college that are better than him. It scares me. Am I remembering this wrong? Did he not run a 4-4-9 at, at Pro Day but at re- Iowa? But remember, that's an incredibly fast-track NFL team. You did tell that. me that. Yeah, yes. you told me that. NFL teams know that. So you're not going to be able to game the system out there by playing on a fast track. They know how uh, qu- much quicker things are. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's a 4-4-9, but there's certainly an asterisk by it. Okay, and what was it at Pro Day? Do you remember? That's what it was at the Pro Day. He didn't run the 40 at the Combine. I mean, not Pro Day. I'm sorry, the uh, Combine. He didn't run the 40 at the Combine. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so that explains it. Okay. That, that was him maybe trying to hide a little something-something there, knowing if he would have ran in Indianapolis, it wouldn't have been a 449. It wouldn't have been a 451, whatever it was. It would not have been that fast. He's not fast. He's not fast. That's not going to change. No. That is He's not fast, but he change. is tough. Yes. He can tackle. He, he can talk and he can tackle and he, he can, can play cover. a number of positions. He can cover. That that's the other yeah. thing. You, you, you get you get screwed up with the minutia of oh, this forty time and these kind of things. When I watch him on the football field, 
How many times did Des King get beat? It wasn't very often. He got beat against Penn State that one time. Maybe that was a safety not getting over in time that was supposed to be helping him. Regardless of that, you didn't see it happen very often. This is a guy that played for four years, was a starter for four years at the University of Iowa, and even with that lack of speed, you very rarely saw him get beat down the field. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, you have uh, proclaimed yourself the czar of the uniforms. Yes, yes, correct. I am the um, self-proclaimed I'm gonna go uniform get me one. I'm going to go get me one. Oh, you are? I think I'm going to go get me one. Those are. I've been looking for a reason to get me one of those. You, you like the Chargers jerseys, huh? I, I, you don't? Well, what, which one? Are you, are you getting the white? Are you getting the navy blue? Are you getting the powder blue? The Where baby blue. The baby blue. It, what not, you don't call it baby blue. What do you call it? Powder blue. Powder blue. There we go. You don't like those? I think those are pampas the heck. Yeah, they're good. They're, those are absolutely good. There's no doubt. I used to have a Junior Seau jersey back in the day. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. I, I love rest Junior Rest in peace, Seau. Junior. Yeah, rest in peace with all those concussions. Man, that guy was a maniac. Mm-hmm. Freaking crazy. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, but the, the whole Death King thing, yeah, it makes me sad with how much money he lost, and I don't believe he was going to be a first-rounder if, if he had come out last year. What worries me now is that people are going to say, uh, maybe Kirk should have told him to go. Well, there's it's an interesting thing. When you tell somebody to go or not go, you have to know what the NFL people want. Are they looking for potential, or are they looking for what you have right now? Well, Des, you know, Des King... This, obviously, this year, the DB class was big-time hardcore. Last year, I don't remember. But everybody's saying the DB class this year was crazy, and it must have been if he went 21st in terms of uh, there were 20 other DBs that went in front of him. So I'm sad for him and the money he lost, but he can prove it now. I mean, he can go there and prove it and uh, live in L.A. That That ain't so bad. No, that's certainly not a bad thing at all for Des King. It's not going to be the many money that you expect. It's not going to be, you know, the money that a lot of people anticipated for him. But I, uh, I want to bring this up. In fact, we we're, were kind of talking about uh, the money. So I'm going to find where he went. Let's go down to the fifth round and the guaranteed money at 151 for Desmond King. Total value of his contract. What, yes. Oh, I can't wait to hear this. Okay. $2.6 million total value. Okay. Signing bonus, 281000 Okay. So he's got to prove himself. He's got to prove himself. If he would have been a second rounder, like many people anticipated early on, you know, middle of the second round, your signing bonus is in the range of about $2.2 million. And total contract, $5.6 million. And what round was that again? That's middle of the second round. So that okay. is... Which is where I kind of... I thought, yeah, end of second, that's, early third. That's a big step down. Jeez. 200K is oh. nice. 200K is nice. I, I'm not thumbing my nose at that. 2.6 million, though. That's a lot different. Yeah, he's eating burgers and not steak now. Uh, but yeah, anyway, jeez. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of sad. So I just hope this doesn't go back on Kirk saying, you know, Kirk knows his stuff and he has so many connections and mm-hmm. he gets so many players that are on the borderline in the NFL. That's what's so great about them because they respect all the coaches and GMs. and They all respect Kirk. So a lot of those guys that are on the border at Iowa get into the NFL, which isn't the case with a lot of places, I think. At least that's my opinion. Good stuff. Well, uh, let's talk about the other two guys that went in the draft. Let's start with Jaleel Johnson to the Vikings. A lot of Vikings fans here in the market. He was the second pick coming out. Of day number three, pick number two in the fourth round. 
to the Vikings. Uh, speaking of money, his total contract, $3 million, with a signing bonus of $681,000. So good money there for Jaleel, and I think a great spot for him. Sharif Floyd, not sure if he's ever going to be come back from the injuries that he has had. Very good defensive tackle. They're uh, not going to play him at the nose. They're going to play him as a three-technique guy. And after Jaleel Johnson, just the sheer number of, of you know snaps that the guy had to take over the last couple of years, him as a part of a rotation, I like it for Jaleel Johnson. I think this is a great fit for him. I do, too, because we had a little bit of a problem with him at the beginning of the year. We didn't feel like he was given 100, um, and nobody gives 100. Everybody always says that. Nobody gives 100%. You can't. You quite frankly can't. It's impossible. But try to come to as close to that as you can. But if he, yeah, that last half of the year, he was phenomenal. So if he's, you know, in a rotation, and I'm not familiar with the D, I know the offensive line stinks, freaking stinks with the Vikings. It's pathetic. I watched, tried to watch Sam Bradford play quarterback last year, and it was just, I felt so bad for him. But the D line, I'm not, I'm not really too aware of. But if he gets, you know, if he gives 100, close, as close to 100% as he can give, he can disrupt. And I think that's a good pick for the Vikings. I do. Yeah, I, I think it's a good one. Spielman, boy, he does a good job up there. I, I am incredibly jealous of of what the Vikings front office has done. You mentioned that offensive line. They went out. They're bringing in Riley Reef. They're bringing in Remmert to uh, take over the tackle positions. I thought they drafted a couple of guys, including the uh, the middle guy for either center or guard from Ohio State. I just like what the Vikings do. I, I think Spielman is an incredibly intelligent guy. He moves around. He finds guys that, that make a lot of sense there. I think he does a great job with the Vikings, and I think a great fit. Certainly a lot better than uh, my Chicago hey, Bears. If, if, oh God. if they have fixed their offensive line, if they have fixed their offensive line, look out for them. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say look out for them. Mm-hmm. Because they were on pace last year before a couple guys got hurt on the offensive line, right? So if they get... If they got two guys, like you said, Reef, and then whoever the other guy you said was, and then Sam Bradford broke the freaking record of the NFL last year for for a completion percentage yeah, those with were that offensive that, line. That's a, that's a yeah, you, fake. It's overrated. That's I know, a fake but, number. I mean, you, I mean, it's, I, it's still a number. It's I mean, number. he's still completing passes, and he's having to uh, worry about getting killed. Literally, he's not exactly put together well. No, no, and he's been injured a lot throughout his career, and it's incredible with that offensive line that he was able to stay upright a year ago. And yeah, it was a lot of uh, quick passes to get rid of it because they knew that offensive line <laughs> after the injuries. Through, yeah. It was get rid of the ball. It wasn't one, two, three throw. It was get the snap, get rid of it as soon as possible. you agree with me then? No. What do you think about the Vikings next year? You no, said a lot no, of Vikings no. fans in the audience. What do yes. you think? No, I think they're going to be very good. I think they're a playoff team. I mean, we, we saw the start that they were able to get off to last year at 5-0 and before the injuries decimated that offensive line. Uh, I th- I'm right there with you. The defense uh, has a chance to be incredibly good. I think this team is going to be good enough to get in the playoffs. Yeah, I think the Vikings are a playoff they team. they got what's-his-bleed from Florida State, right? Yeah, Delvin Cook. Back. Delvin Cook. Look out. Okay, this is my team, man. I think this might be my team. Uh, you, you'll look if good. If Chad Greenway were, were still there, this would be a just a home run. I wish he would have played one more year, man. I'm seeing this with the Vikings. You're going with the Vikings. Well, you can still get yourself a Greenway jersey. People love it. He played there his whole career. You can yeah. go down that road. Or just get yourself a Jaleel Johnson jersey. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I'm not a big purple guy. You know, I'm a Milwaukee guy, West Des Moines Valley guy, but purple, man, I just I can't wear purple. Get, get the white jersey. That is just the, okay. the, the purple accents that go along with it. Finally, George Kittle goes to the 49ers also. Second pick of the fifth round. Pick 146 overall. George Kittle. You know, Mike Mayock continually was talking about him 
as a fullback. I, I can understand yeah. maybe talking about him more of an H-back role, and that's kind of fullback anymore in the NFL. But the fit there with what Shanahan wants to do, it sounds like that's going to be more of his role. Not not your prototypical tight end, more of kind of an H-back that you use uh, blocking as well. No, it'll be interesting. I don't think, and we're talking about speed at the combine or at the pro day versus speed on the field. I don't think he has four, five, one speed. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not me saying he's not fast because he is fast for a tight end. But four, five, one. I think that wasn't that second among tight ends. I mean, that's sick. That's ridiculous. Um, and he supposedly can block really well. I didn't really focus on that on his blocking that much, but it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, what he does. He's got pretty good hands, although. I remember a few drops last year that I didn't expect, and then he he was hurt a little bit. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt there because he didn't have many he didn't have any drops. And I think Kirk has actually openly talked about his hands and how he likes his hands. We've seen one handed catches from him for crying out loud. But I did remember a couple drops last year. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Even a couple of fumbles that happened uh, along with that. And then some free agent deals. A couple guys going to the Patriots. LaShawn Daniels uh, looking for an opportunity there, though they do have, I believe, seven running backs that are under contract uh, currently before cuts start to happen with them. And then Cole Croston, who, you know, it's prototypical. An Iowa offensive lineman, you want to run a zone scheme, you go in there at the very least, you know you have a guy that's going to be able to practice well, that's going to be able to step right in uh, right away. Who else do we have? A couple of others. Riley McCarron to the Texans with that speed we saw in the game against Nebraska. Maurice Fleming signed with the Buccaneers. So uh, a couple other names out there as well signing some free agent deals. Good to see. Yeah, what do you think of Riley McCarron with the Texans, um, with the coach that used to be the offensive coordinator at uh, New England? They like those little uh, those little guys, those little fast guys. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that pick? No, can he stick or no? Not even a chance. No, no. Five, five, nine receivers will not stick. Uh, Only on the Patriots. Only on the Patriots, the Super Bowl uh, team that's won four Super Bowls. Yeah. What other that I didn't mention? Greg Maven also signed with uh, Tampa. So that's what you have. That's uh, the way things are going down with the free agent list. Hopeful for all those guys. It, It is an incredibly difficult road, though, to make a team as a free agent. And and Iowa has so many guys in the NFL. Um, I think in 2014 I looked it up, and I haven't looked it up since. It was like 34, and I think Oklahoma had 35, and Alabama had 41, or something something close to that. That was that was a while ago, so that's my don't uh, don't quote me on that. But I will put guys in the NFL just like I said with Kirk. They know what they're doing. They develop these guys that don't have attitudes, play with a chip on their shoulder. This is what Iowa has to start recruiting to, and I think they are more. I believe since Brian Ferentz has got on. You have to sell that to guys. Look at how many guys that we have gotten into the NFL. Oh, you're a three-star guy? Okay, look at this. Look at all these guys we've gotten in. You're a walk-on? You want to come on? We've got a family friend that's going to be a walk-on safety. And I'm like, he's going to the right program, man. I'm telling you. They play walk-on safeties all the freaking time. And we're going to see another one of them this year, Jake Gervas, after his uh, big performance in the spring. Well, Wolfgang we got to take a break. We'll come back with more on the other side here. When we come back, uh, Wolfgang wants to talk a little about the NBA, I guess. Uh, we'll get into that. And Friday, I, I kind of broke the news to you about Connor McCaffrey. It was just coming out. You uh, hadn't had a chance to really, outside of just kind of letting it roll from there. You've had a weekend to stew now. We'll get some more thoughts on Connor McCaffrey. I'm stewing. Sitting out next season for basketball. All to come here as we roll through. It's 
Jimmy B and TC Wolfgang with us here on a Tuesday. It's presented by the Spa at West Glen. We're back here in a moment. All right, we're back. Wolfgang here with us. Jimmy B and TC on the Big Talker 1700. It's presented by the Spa at West Glen. All right, Wolfgang, uh, let's jump over here. And first, I want to talk about something that I hit you kind of the side of the head with on Friday. Now you've had a chance to maybe think about it a little bit more. Connor McCaffrey makes the decision that he will not be playing basketball next season at the University of Iowa. He's going to redshirt and uh, going to concentrate on baseball for his first year on campus. We've talked about the backup point guard position, the concerns that are there. Now all eyes are back once again on Christian Williams. Uh, yeah, I like Connor, I think, more than, than most. Um, I was very sad to hear this. I understand why he's going to take a retro year. Let me ask you this. What if your boy Bohannon gets hurt? Okay, breaks his hand 10 games in. Can Fran have him, because he's just going to redshirt, right? Can mm-hmm. he be on the roster? And let's say everything goes to H-E double hockey sticks, and Bohannon breaks a hand. Can Connor decide to go ahead and play, or is he not even going to be on the roster? Is he not even going to be put on there? He's still going, the way I understand it, he still will be a part of the team. He still will be practicing, but it will be, you know, if there is a baseball meeting, if there's baseball workouts, that that will take precedence over what he's doing basketball-wise. Okay, because I was just wondering, if everything went to heck, and I hope, like, you know, some people like Christian Williams, I hope he gets it, hope he gets the confidence down, because I, I do see, obviously, potential like everybody does, but it's the mind thing, it's the, it's the confidence thing that, that I have a problem with. And I liked Connor. I've told you, I haven't really, I think I've, you know, I've seen a decent amount of tape of him to know that he has a smart basketball IQ, um, obviously with his dad being coach. Um, it'll be interesting. I'm dis- I'm really disappointed because I wanted to see what he would do because I know that he would like to run and gun. He looks down court. He sees guys open that, that other guys don't see. He's not a true point guard. That's okay, but he's a guy that could, that could hit guys open if we decide to run a little bit more and we had more athletes as we do now. Um, so yeah, I'm not I'm not happy about it. I wanted him to play this year, um, but now it's all in on Christian Williams, and we got to see it. It's third year in the program, time to do it, Trent. Yes, I, I am with you there, and so it kind of goes down like this. It, it sounded like very much the Connor A. Wanted to give baseball a real shot. And if basketball was what was happening for him, he wasn't really going to have to be able to have that baseball, you know, kind of scratch that itch and see what he can do at that level. We talked about it before, probably a better opportunity to be a professional in baseball than there is in basketball for him. But even even without that, this is a guy that is highly talented in a couple of different sports, and he wants to give it a real shot. I think another big part of this, though, is A, getting a little bit of a divide between him and Bohannon. Now you're going to have two years in between them. So then as a redshirt freshman, Bohannon then will be a junior. A couple of years with that. And another thing, it'll give him another year to play with his brother. And I think that is a big factor for him. He loves playing with Patrick. Patrick is a wonderful kid. Everything you talk hear from people, just how good of a kid he is. And I think that's another part here where this gives him another year to play with his brother. No, and I understand. I've never seen him play baseball. I think he hit 420, didn't he, or mm-hmm. something, yep. something close to that. I mean, yeah, so supposedly he's he's got some serious talent there. 
And that's not a bad thing, what you say, getting some distance in between he and Bohannon. I get that. And, you know, I understand probably if Connor would have decided. I wonder if, I wonder if there was a conversation between Fran and Christian Williams saying, no, my son, I wonder if he knew before this. Or if Christian Williams would have actually come back if Connor, because I believe Connor would have suppressed him. I, I truly believe that. Now that there's only two point guards on the team, Christian, here you go, buddy. This is your chance. You got another year to make do, and then you'll be a senior. That'll be, you know, just one year, and then, you know. So we'll see with Connor. I I believe in him. I think he can be a good player. Um, but yeah, if, if his dream is to play baseball like his dad say said, I understand that. I respect the dad not putting pressure on his kid to play basketball and come play for me. When obviously, I mean. I don't think it's stupid for us to say that his chance at pro ball and making money is baseball, even though I've never seen him play baseball. But that's a stupid comment for me to say, but I, I would say that. <laughs> okay. I got you there. I got you there. So there's uh, Connor McCaffrey. Uh, over to football as we look at the Iowa team. Really the story, I think, of spring football was quarterback play where it felt like going in Nathan Stanley was a guy. I, I personally believe that it was – more just trying to keep that seat warm for uh, for the backup job with Uyghurs, and that's why they called it an open competition. We saw that's not the case. This is a real competition now. And you have Ken O'Keefe back as the quarterback's coach. You know, he showed a great ability throughout his tenure of getting guys ready to play right away without starting experience, without a whole lot of playing time out on the field in real games when the bullets are flying. He has done a very good job of that. Is this, though, maybe his most difficult First-year starting quarterback figuring out, A, who's it going to be, and secondly, getting these guys acclimated and ready to go. No, and it's, it's yeah, he's going to earn his paycheck. He's got to earn his paycheck because for Iowa to have any sort of season this year, we've got to see something from the uh, quarterback play. Obviously, we're going to have a good running game, good offensive line, um, good linebackers. But if Ken O'Keefe has got to get these guys, these guys got to get in the classroom with him and go and and figure it out and figure out touch not just darting it in there. It looked like both had good arms, don't you think? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, they're fine. I mean, Stanley's is stronger, but he throws everything. He, he's like C.J. was early in his career. C.J. Beathard, everything was a fastball. There wasn't much touch, and that's, I think, what you see a lot with Stanley. Yeah, and I agree. And I don't I don't know if Ken O'Keefe can do this. We'll see. They're, you, know, you know, we'll see. Uh, you know, Vandy isn't that young, Um or Stanley is obviously only a second year guy, but we'll see. He's the guy that I want to, to be the guy, and we'll see if Ken O'Keefe can pull a Harbaugh. By the way, did you see Harbaugh um, recruiting the Pope? <laughs> he's recruiting the Pope. Why not? Okay? Why not? I mean, he's. Re- I, I expect to see him in the Pope mobile, riding around with the Pope one of these days. He gave the Pope a Michigan helmet and a sweatshirt or something like that. This guy. So sometimes we got to think out of the box too. I know, understand that's not Iowa's style mm-hmm. to do that. But this guy's recruiting the Pope. You got the Pope on your side. I mean, that's that's pretty good. That's unbelievable. If you can recruit the, if I see the Pope in Michigan gear, let me tell you, that is not going to go over well with me. But back to Ken O'Keefe, if he can get these guys in the classroom, figure out figure out the touch thing. You can't just bullet everything in there every single time. Um, understand and trust the offensive line, knowing that he's going to have time, look for the backs out of the backfield. How many recessions did Wadley have last year? Everybody overlooks that. Wadley is a damn good uh, back out of the backfield. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, he did a great job of that. And, and just go back to the Michigan game, and you can see how effective he was. There's going to be toys here. There's going to be tinkering. And, and I also kind of wonder with the evolution of the NFL game and what O'Keefe uh, saw with that with the Dolphins, what kind of new ideas he's going to come with. we got Brian already with some new ideas. Palaszczuk, the offensive line coach who comes in from North Dakota State, I've always felt like what they do would work very well at a place like Iowa. And now you got O'Keefe that comes in with maybe some new different ideas. And, and the funny thing about O'Keefe, we, we heard this so many times throughout the years, is that he personally would have liked to do more with the offense than Kirk allowed. Is Kirk now yeah. with a voice in the room of Brian Ferentz who you believe is going to be able to get his ear, get him to open up even more with these different personalities that they have in there. How many wrinkles we're going to see? It's still going to be a pro-style offense. It's still going to be run-based with the zone-blocking scheme. We know all these things. But in the passing game, how many more wrinkles, how many changes are we going to see there? I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I wish we had CJB for one more year because I truly believe we would actually have an answer to that question. I don't know if we are going to have an answer to that question. Ken O'Keefe, obviously, in the NFL, seeing different things, like you said, um, and then uh, Ferris obviously, coaching tight ends and seeing the offense over there with the Patriots. It excites me. It excites me big time. Had we had C.J. beat one more year. Now I'm worried that two, two guys that haven't started before aren't going to be able to take that upon themselves. We're, we may just have to dumb it down. Mm-hmm. is what I see coming, and it's going to be a lot of running game and a lot of underneath stuff. But we'll see. It, it's exciting to know that there are two guys in here that have been away and been back and now may have some things that they can bring to the table and talk to Kirk about, and we'll have Kirk's ear. And I really want that to happen because I was really big time into Brian Ferentz, as you know, getting the job, and you weren't necessarily against it or for it, but you wanted just maybe more uh, more guys being interviewed, blah, blah, blah. I get it. Totally understand that. But we better get it going at the beginning of the year, Trent, because we play Wyoming. They're no joke, especially with their quarterback. Um, and then Iowa State. We always have problems. I always have problems with Iowa State. So, you know, it's they got to get it going quick. And they have new language now in the offense. So the quarterbacks have to learn new language. Who knows how similar it would be? I would love have a you know assistant coach on i'm not a big a coach getting coach guy on but i would love to know is it just totally 100 percent new uh, vernacular new uh you know offensive uh terminology or is it you know half and half is it anything do you have you heard anything like that uh, terminology is going to be changing I, I guess the the cause for pause with that Remember the last time we saw a change in terminology? And it was, oh, no, it's not that much different, blah, blah, blah. Oh, gosh. James Vandenberg went from throwing 27 touchdowns to eight. Trent, he, w- he went from Eddie Podolak saying he's going to make the NFL to looking like he was one of the worst quarterbacks I've ever seen at Iowa. I mean, that it was that bad. Mm-hmm. He looked horrible. And I listened to the radio the year before, his junior year, and Podolak said this, and I trust Podolak. Okay, I trust him. He played in the NFL. He knows his stuff. I love listening to him, and he's a good guy. Matter of fact, I just uh, talked to him the other day. Saw him at uh, a local establishment. Good dude, good dude. Um, but he was saying he Vandenberg was going to make the NFL and felt comfortable saying that, and he had no shot. I think he got a shot, actually, with, was it the Vikings or something yep, like that? it was the Vikings. Um, but I don't, I don't think he really had a shot. If you watch the film and they're looking at that going, how can we sign this guy after what we just saw that last senior season but um 
Yeah, so I wish we had CJB one more year. Unfortunately, that doesn't happen. I think we get to see a little bit more out of what Brian Ferentz and O'Keefe are going to bring to the table. It's going to be, I think, dumped down. So I would tell everybody to keep their expectations low for this first season with new starters unless they just go crazy and are in the film room and practicing with the wide receivers. And I mean, it could happen. I mean, it could happen. They could totally, you know, you know, come to the table and, and uh, be, get the, the game plan and do their studying and do their homework and come in and, you know, show people something and put new wrinkles in there just like you say. And maybe the new wrinkles aren't that complicated to where the new wrinkles will be simple and it will help those guys, those young guys, succeed. Very good. Very good thought there, Wolfgang. All right. I'm going to give you the floor. You want to talk about the NBA. Brinson's back. i got to listen to him talk about the NBA. I watched last night. Uh, Cavs looked outstanding. They are so fun to watch offensively. Either when Kyrie... Talk dirty to me, Trent. Talk dirty to uh, me. When when Kyrie's on the floor, love and and LeBron. Or I love even more when they they go, those guys are on the bench, and they just say, we're going to surround LeBron with with four shooters, and we're going to play that (laughs) way. I mean, it it is so good to watch. And then uh, watching the late game last night, Houston. uh, I'll tell you what. They are the only team that I said from the beginning I thought could maybe push Golden State just because of the way they are completely. It's gone from three-point shooting, spreading the floor. That has been a a big part of basketball really over the last three, four years, that evolution. But they're taking it to another level. 22 threes last night, and they hit 22, 25, 28 threes a couple of times against Golden State. They can beat the Warriors. Yeah, LeBron even went over and tried to get a beer on the sidelines. You see that? He did. That was awesome. (laughs) I thought that was hilarious. Anyway, you brought up Kyrie. Is he the sickest, one of the sickest point guards you've ever seen on offense in terms of at the rim? And I don't even know how he makes some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know what I'm saying? Yep. It's, did you see that, what was it, crossover, crossover, crossover between the legs, and then he, he banks it? He's a guy that you don't see that a ton ever in basketball, guys that bank it. He is unbelievable at banking. Um, he understands his role on the team. He still does not. He's not playing defense. He better step it up. They better get it. And it was funny. They had on outside of um, Quicken Loans Arena, you know, they had the starting five, and their whole thing with the Cavs is defend. And they, and the two guys that were under the picture that said defend, and in terms of defending the title, but we know what where they were going here, under Kyrie's name was defend, and under Kevin Love's name was defend, because they don't play defense. No, they don't. They don't. So if they start playing defense, they got a shot. I mean, if you asked me two two weeks ago, I'd say no shot versus the Warriors. Draymond Green, freaking Curry, Thompson, Durant. That's that's just the sickest of all sick teams I've ever even seen. It's just, you know, it, it's a different era. It's not, you know, the 80s or 90s or, you know, but I'm sitting here watching this. And as a guy that I know you don't watch a ton of regular season basketball, but I'm watching these picks. And, so, and everybody says it's not rough anymore, and I understand it's not rough like the 90s were with Oakley and, and Mason and those guys, but you watch these illegal picks every single time. It's like, it's ridiculous. There is not, I would like you to do this for me next game you watch. Count all the legal screens you see. Okay. And call me every time you do, and <laughs> I won't hear from you. They're always moving is what you. you're saying, huh? Oh, um, it, It's pathetic. And it's even like sideways, bump, hip checks. Screens. It's just like, and then they decide to call one. It's like, 
oh my god. So I do understand why some of you guys don't like the NBA. I get it. It, I, I totally understand it. But the prognostic or the like, Barclays and those guys can't have it both ways. They can't say, oh, I missed the '90s ball. '90s ball when that was happening, everybody was saying this is disgusting basketball. This is professional wrestling, and now they're trying to clean it up and. And they've cleaned it up, and now some people are saying it's too wussy. Uh, make up your mind. I mean, which do you want? Which kind of basketball do you want? I would like to see legal screens. That would be nice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it's watch the playoffs. If you guys aren't NBA fans, I understand. Watch the cast. You're not going to get to see LeBron too many years longer. He's 32. He'll be 33 in, I think, uh, December or end of December. He's not going to be around forever, and he's not going to have that incredible athleticism, although I think he'll always be able to play uh, point guard because of his passing ability um, and his, his basketball IQ. I don't know if you're able to are you allowed to say a black guy has uh, basketball IQ? Of course. He has unbelievable basketball IQ. They never bring it up. He has incredible basketball IQ. Only Steve Nash can have basketball IQ or, or John Stockton. Okay, it, it gets old. It gets it gets ridiculous. All right, LeVar, ball enough, enough, enough. All right. <laughs> it's true. It's we true. are out of time. Wolfgang. Oh, wow. Okay. Yep. Oh, yep. With that, that's that's your parting shot right there. That's how you're going to finish <laughs> things up for today. We will do it again on Friday. How's that sound? Sounds good, brother. Go Cavs. All right. We'll see you, Wolfgang. Check it in. Presented by the Spa at West Glen. And that, that'll do it. We are out of show from the Wolf Construction Roofing Studios. Thanks for everybody out there for listening in. Today, back at it tomorrow, myself, Jimmy B, will be back here tomorrow at noon. Plenty to get into. We continue to break down the NFL draft, talking about the local teams and the impacts. Today we hit on the Vikings a little bit with B.J. Rydell. Always good to catch him. Talked with Zubin Mahente from ESPN. Uh, also coming in today, we talked with Alex Halstead and, and talked a lot of Cyclones with him with both football recruiting, with Real Mitchell uh, coming in, making his commitment, and also what's happening on the basketball front. As always, you can check out all the podcasts over on our podcast page, 1700 KBGG. Check things out over there for any portion of the show that you may have missed. We'll talk to you, everybody, tomorrow once again at noon. Jimmy B and TC on the Big Talker 1700.